3: This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John Fuglesang. Welcome to Tell Me Everything, the little show that could at What the Hell O'Clock. Coming to you for the next couple of weeks, live from Los Angeles, our nation's capital. And it's so lovely to be with you. For the next three hours, we're going to be coming at you with a lot of facts, a lot of information, a good amount of empathy, uh, uh, attempts at humor, and we will do our best to bring you to the brink of amusement. We have a great show tonight. Obviously, it's all about... Indictment number three, there's much ground to cover. Last night, it ate up everything in the room, and tonight's going to be much the same. But let's just see if we can't find other things that may have happened on planet Earth in the last 24 hours, shall we? Our executive producer is the great Chris Hauselt. He is running this show out of South Carolina, as he has done since the COVID plague began. The great Thea Harper is producing our show out of Brooklyn. I come to you from Los Angeles for the next few weeks. So we are the triumvirate. This is the best kind of coworker relationship either of them have ever had. I'm literally thousands of miles away from both. Of my only two co-workers, and we are so glad you guys are with us. Um, we have some of our favorite guests here tonight to make sense of everything. Obviously, it's going to be a lot of politics. It's going to be a lot of law. We decided to get around that by inviting no legal experts and no politicians. But Bob Seska is going to be here. The great Max Burns will be here. And our comedy daddy, Keith Price, will be here in our number three. Last night, we covered this with three amazing women. Tonight, we're doing it with three men that still talk to me. Here's what's going on right now with this in- new indictment. The information keeps flowing. More and more people are beginning to read it. And the lines of defense are becoming more clear. Now, I think you'll see the lines of defense evolving quite a bit over the next few days. We want to know what you guys think, however. And we want to know what you're experiencing when you talk to your right wing loved ones or coworkers or people on Facebook you still talk to. Um, because I, I, they're, they're going to have a really tough time with this one. Let's do a show. We are now 61 days until October 2nd when the Trump Organization civil fraud suit goes down. We are 166 days from January 15th, where E. Jean Carroll's defamation suit starts up again. We are 180 days from January 29th, where Trump and his family's pyramid scheme class action suit goes to trial. We are 236 days from March 25th with the New York State criminal hush money suit, where Donald Trump faces 34 criminal counts and faces potentially 136 years in jail. We are 292 days away from the start of the May 20th classified documents trial, espionage, Lago 37 criminal counts where he faces possibly 400 years in prison and the superseding indictment that was last week. I know it's hard to keep track of this. I'm going to repeat it every night. That's four more criminal counts adding 50 years in the state of Florida. Oh, And we're 347 days away from July 15th of next year when the Republican National Convention begins and ends with a contested convention. We're also one day away from Donald Trump turning himself in. Let's talk about it. I really recommend reading the indictment. Today, I had to fly from uh, New York to Los Angeles at an obscenely early hour. Uh, It it was rough. It was a little too crowded. I like to fly on Tuesdays and Wednesday mornings. I find those are the safest times if you're going to travel. Airport's most empty then. It turns out, when it's so hot, flights are canceled around the country, there is no safe time. So, made it to L.A., and along my way on the flight, I took some time and actually read... The indictment, and I recommend it very highly, Uh, the New York Times has actually published an annotated uh, version, which is really, really compelling. Um, Kudos to Charlie Savage for doing a really, really helpful uh, uh, analysis in real time as you read it. Look, um, it's crazy right now what we are facing. Donald Trump is the first president to be impeached twice. First former president to be indicted on criminal charges, the first former president to be indicted twice, first uh, former president to be indicted three times. He's not the first to lose the popular vote twice. All right. Can we get that clear? John Quincy Adams and Benjamin Harrison both did that. And they're the son and grandson of presidents, by the way. So like Trump, they were nepo babies. He is the first president to be indicted on criminal charges for behavior while he was still in office. So, these are the trials that we're looking to see, and we're going to be waiting to see what happens after yesterday's federal charges from the January 6th attack. Again, conspiracy to defraud the U.S., conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of, and attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, conspiracy against rights, like the right to vote. The right to have one's vote counted. This was once used to prosecute KKK violence. There's never been a trial in our country's history, my friends. For all the jokes, for all the talking points, for all the fighting back and forth, this country in almost 250 years has never had a trial that came close to trying a former president who is also in the running, credibly, to reclaim the White House for an attempt to steal the election he lost. This is going to be the only chance, and I mean the only chance, for a decent, nonviolent society to hold this man liable we're trying to end your democracy 2024 is going to be an insane years friends we're really glad you'll be with us because we're going to be seeing trials for donald trump the the con man donald trump the rapist donald trump the uh, hush money payer to porn stars donald trump's espionage act violation and of course donald trump's conspiracy theory try to overthrow the government scene this indictment lays it out In such clear language, I'm going to be quoting it nonstop for probably the next several months. But the purpose, let me quote it, the purpose of the conspiracy was to overturn the legitimate results of the 2020 presidential election by using knowingly false claims of election fraud to obstruct the federal government function by which those results are collected, counted, and certified. So let's talk about the Republicans. Once the Right to Life Party, now the Right to Lie Party. See, listen, here's the main deal about all of this. It's not about Donald Trump lying. It's not about the fact that he has a free speech right to lie. The deal is, the charge is, the very tight case is that Donald Trump lied to stay in power. They're trying to make this all about how he's allowed to say what he wants. He didn't know he he had lost. He was just got bad information. He was confused. But see, it's not going to work. They're going to be saying it now. Don't waste your life getting into huge screaming fights with people over this because they're not going to believe it in two weeks. Jack Smith has collected testimony from so many Republican leaders. Again, like last year in the January 6th hearings, these witnesses are all Republicans. This is very bipartisan. And he was surrounded by people who told him he lost. There are almost three full pages in this incredible indictment listing all the different ways he was told he lost. All the lies he was told were lies that he went out the next day and repeated anyway. And the courts throughout his election fraud cases all over the place. So cue today's Republican Party flip out. Are you ready? Because the Hunter Biden charges are all there to distract us from Donald Trump's various legal problems. And the Hunter Biden charges are there to distract us from the fact that these Republicans can't beat Joe Biden on the issues. They don't have a credible opposition. They don't have the policy proposals to try to help non-millionaire Americans. It's all a distraction. So today they've said these Trump charges are a distraction from Hunter Biden. House Republicans will continue to uncover the truth about Biden, Inc. and the two-tiered system of justice, said Kevin McCarthy. You know, Ron DeSantis, he's criticizing Washington instead of Trump because he's just a hilarious coward. He, he, Speaker McCarthy's angry call with Donald Trump on January 6 is actually referenced in this indictment, but all the winged monkeys came out: the Jim Jordans, the Scott Perrys, the Paul Gosars, the Andy Biggs, the Matt Gateses, the Debbie Lesko's, the Marjorie Taylor Greens, Count Trump flung open the windows at Carfax Abbey, and the bats came out. Jim Jordan was tweeting, "When you drain the swamp, the swamp fights back. President Trump did nothing wrong. I'm like, okay, so I guess you're saying if Joe Biden loses in 2024, but decides to have fake electors, fraudulently disenfranchise voters, and have Kamala Harris certify the fraud, Jim Jordan has to defend it. They're really going for a low wattage audience. These Republicans don't know what to say to their supporters, so what do they do? They dangle keys in front of a toddler. Looky here, looky here, looky here. It's going to work for a day or two, but again, this is not going to cut it for them because Jack Smith has receipts. And trying to say that this is just a free speech case, that shows how panicked they are. These guys had a year to get ready for this indictment. And they don't have a better defense than this. Here's the great Julie Mason, who I just bowed down and revered to over there on the SiriusXM POTUS channel. You ever listen to that channel? My God. I mean, I've done Julie's show, which is should be illegal because, you know, I got this job that someone said, hey, let the chimp throw the dart. They used to have an official chimp at Sirius XM, and the dart landed on my headshot, and suddenly, here I am. But Julie Mason, she does a real show, and she spoke with uh, Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. Uh, If you don't remember him, he was the uh, Ron DeSantis of the 2016 presidential field. Listen to his twisted take on the political fallout from Trump's January 6th indictment, and you'll wonder, hmm, why have I never heard from this guy again? You know, just in terms
2: of the political fallout on this, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it has an impact both on primary election voters, which may seem more obvious based on the last two, but even on general election voters. What I mean by that is in the primary election, I think there's a sense, It's two words come to mind, family and forward. So with family, you think about even if for Republicans who Donald Trump wasn't their first pick going into 2024, maybe they're interested in some of the other candidates. I think there's a sense when they feel like someone's being attacked, there's a sense in a family of, of circling around that person and, and trying to protect them. And I think that's a little what? bit of it here. People think, well, if these sorts of things are worthy of an indictment, why aren't they indicting Bernie Sanders for inciting violence against Steve Scalise and the other Republicans what? at the baseball practice or Chuck Schumer for the things he said about Supreme Court justices and then people ended up in violation of federal law in front of their house. So I think there's a bit of a pushback <laughs> there that will likely lead to Donald Trump being a bit obvious, it seems, a bump in the polls with primary okay. voters. But even in the general election, one of the mistakes Trump and his allies have made last fall was spending too much time looking backwards, talking about the 2020 election instead of moving forward. And I think in the general election, voters in battleground states like mine want to hear about what's next. What are you going to mm-hmm. do to get the country on the right track? And if liberals are focused on the last presidential election, I think they're in trouble.
3: The reason Julie Mason's a better host than me is because I would have stopped on the Bernie Sanders line and said, you are a ferret-faced liar, Scott Walker. Bernie Sanders didn't lie to anybody. Yes, a guy took a shot at Steve Scalise, a mentally ill man who was able to buy automatic weapons. Steve Scalise, who voted to let the mentally ill have easier access to automatic weapons. Bernie Sanders did not support that. Bernie Sanders never incited anyone to violence. Bernie Sanders never told a lie that pissed anybody off. Let's just get that straight right away. This is the sort of thing we should be expecting. They're going to be saying, oh, well, the Democrats did this. They lied about Russia. They lied about. I mean, no one lied about anything. And no one's lies led to cops having the holy hell beaten out of them on the Capitol steps. This is how amoral and godless the Republicans are going to be on this. You've got to be ready. Now, some of Republicans are saying, oh, no, he called for calm in the attack on the Capitol. He, 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 he called for calm. But the indictment lays out. Trump's incendiary rhetoric in the months leading up to January 6th and how it sparked so much rage among people who believe Donald Trump because that was the intent, even after he lost dozens of court cases, challenging election returns in so many different states. And the indictment says after it became public on the afternoon of January 6th that the vice president would not fraudulently alter the election results. A large and angry crowd, including many individuals whom the defendant had deceived into believing the vice president could, committed the violent acts. Now, let's talk about what Trump's defense is really going to be, because there's really only one main defense. And the main defense is stall this thing, delay any way you can win the election in 2024 and then pardon yourself or get a new attorney general to throw these cases out. They won't be able to get rid of the Alvin Bragg case or the Fonnie Willis case, but they'll go back to their bullshit of the last term and say a sitting president can't be indicted, blah, blah, blah. Again, everything that they're trying to say and any time you talk to anyone who's trying to defend Donald Trump in any way, Just bring it back to the fact that Trump's actions were intended to disenfranchise millions of voters, mostly black and brown voters, who supported Joe Biden. They're going to try and stall it and cancel it. But if they can't, how will they defend him? There's really two different ways we've seen so far. And the first is the most prominent, and it is the dumbest. And you're going to be really sick of it, but it'll continue for a week or so. And that is... It's protected speech under the First Amendment. Yeah, he, 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 he lied, but, but he's allowed to say that. You guys understand, right? <laughs> you're allowed to say, stick him up and give me all your money. You're allowed to say that. That's free speech. You're not allowed to say, stick him up and give me all your money while you're robbing someone. See, it's when you actually are using it to break the law that your speech has consequences. And the indictment acknowledges Donald Trump has a First Amendment right to lie. It literally says he has the right to lie. But it's trying to draw a clearer line between those kinds of uh, lawful efforts to find the truth and the unlawful means of discounting legitimate votes and subverting the election results. That's what this criminal case is all about. Marco Rubio, who for five minutes, seven years ago, was man enough to stand up to Donald Trump, now nestles comfortably in Trump's folds and tweeted, apparently it is now a crime to make statements challenging election results if a prosecutor decides those statements aren't true. So when should we expect indictments of the Democrat politicians who falsely claimed Russia hacked the 2016 election? Blah, blah, blah. Okay, first of all, um, Russia did hack the 2016 election. Uh, Twitter actually added context to this tweet. And the Twitter context said the indictment clearly states the defendant has every right to challenge the results of an election, even falsely, but that this defendant took actions in order to defraud the country. Trump's lawyer, the new one, John Lauro, it was on Fox News last night. You can see him on Fox News every night. In a couple of months, you'll see him on the news as Trump's ex-lawyer. He was saying, I would like prosecutors to try to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Donald Trump believed that these allegations were false. No sitting president's ever been criminally charged for his views, for taking a position. So there's two different lies there, right? One of them is, hey, he's got a First Amendment right to say whatever he wants, which is true. Uh, He doesn't have a First Amendment right to try to overthrow the government. And the second one is, well, he believed it. That's the second line of defense. Jack Smith can't prove if Donald Trump really knew there was no election fraud. Yes, there's three pages of people telling him that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie, but he really believed it. He genuinely believed it. And if he really was that deluded and didn't believe the dozens of people, including his own daughter, telling him he had lost, well, it's not corrupt. He believed his own lies, despite being told by dozens of his advisors and allies and agencies that they were false. This is the implied Reagan-Iran contra-defense. He didn't know what he was doing. He just said no. (laughs) So so think about that. That's going to be the next phase. After the First Amendment defense falls flat, they'll be saying he just didn't know. Trump's lawyers are going to essentially be asking a jury to believe that Donald Trump was delusional. While he's seeking the presidency, he'll be arguing in court that he was delusional to try to undermine Jack Smith's core notion here that Trump knowingly sought to defraud the country. And it's not going to work because if they try and go with he was deluded, he didn't know better, well, that's going to force the entire Republican Party into having to defend a presidential nominee who can't tell reality from fantasy and wants to be your president. It's kind of beautiful. And we know he lied. The indictment shows uh, Trump began listening more and more to conspiracy theorists like Sidney Powell, whose attorney said in 2021 for a defamation lawsuit, no reasonable person would believe her bizarre claims were truly statements of fact. Even Trump is uh, privately acknowledged in December that Powell's claims about voting machine conspiracies were crazy. But they're going to be going for the crazy defense in order to prove corrupt intent. Jack Smith has already shown he's going to make the case of the jury. Trump was not delusional. He knew he had lost. He knew his claims were false. That was the entire theme we saw one year ago with the House Committee investigating the January 6th attack. Those hearings last summer gave all of us a taste of what's going to happen. And Republicans should go back and watch those hearings now for the first time. They'll know what to expect. When you think about how the Trump election deniers got creamed in the midterms, You'll see how scared Republican leaders are. And there's a great article in Politico today as well about how Republican parties in some states are going bankrupt because no one's donating to the Republican Party anymore. They're donating to Trump's PAC. Like, I believe the Wisconsin Republican Party has under $400 in the bank account because they're all donating to Trump's PAC, which means Trump's taking their money to pay his lawyers. Now, again, with these Republicans, remember the impeachment? Remember how all the senators who were against his conviction and disbarment from future office, they were all saying two years ago, you don't impeach him. He's not, he's not subject to the Constitution anymore. He's left the office. Let, 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 let law enforcement do it. Mitch McConnell said it. He said the ex-president should be held accountable through the criminal justice system. February 2021. President Trump is so liable for everything he did while in office. He didn't get did. And then there's Rudy remember i've said on this show for a couple of years friends i've said it for six years it's not over until rudy and trump turn on each other and we're not there yet but rudy's at the lashing out at jack smith phase he was on a show um last night and he was again willing to spread knowingly false claims and pursue strategies he told eric bowling on newsmax i know right eric bowling and rudy giuliani they're both talking about feminism and how a real man should treat a lady Um, He said that the grand jury will be his legacy in the form of violating the right of free speech of an American citizen. He's losing it. It could be anyone. It could be a homeless person. You don't get to violate people's First Amendment rights. Smith, no matter who the hell you are, with your Trump derangement syndrome. And then he held up a copy of the indictment in disgust. It's kind of beautiful. Just last week, Rudy conceded he lied about the Georgia election workers. Here he is in the rant to Newsmax, Rudy clinging to a slobbering First Amendment argument that's already been discredited frothing with anger at Jack Smith.
4: This one will be your legacy, violating the right of free speech of an American citizen, never mind whether he was present or not. It could be anybody. It could be a homeless person. You don't get to violate people's First Amendment rights, Smith, no matter who the hell you are, or no matter how sick you are with Trump derangement syndrome. And this isn't the first time you've acted like an unethical lawyer. It should be the last.
3: (laughs) This is a week after admitting in court that he lied. So later in the show, I want to talk about the candidates for president on the Republican side, because they have a broad spectrum of opinion about this. And it's very interesting. And it's going to show what the future of the party will be one way or the other. We're also finding out about the first Republican debate that's going to be coming in a couple of weeks and who's qualifying. We'll talk about that later on in the show. All you need to know for now is, well, what the indictment says, the defendant's knowingly false statements were integral to his criminal plans to defeat the federal government's function, obstruct the certification and interfere with others' rights to vote and have their vote counted. It's not that Trump was just challenging the results. Yeah, he did challenge and he lost in court many times. Now he's being prosecuted for actively trying to overturn the results of the election. It's not hard to figure out. The indictment specifically says he's allowed to lie about election fraud. He's not charged for that. He's charged for setting up a fraudulent elector scheme, trying to use the Department of Justice to convince states to not certify an election, trying to get his vice president to break the law, and so much more. Donald Trump is due in court in Washington, D.C. tomorrow at 4 p.m. We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748. Laura in Los Angeles. Welcome. How are you?
1: Hi. Well, welcome to Los Angeles. and then If you have time tonight... Um, I'm over in San Pedro, and uh, we had a blood moon set over the ocean last night at 9 p.m. So if you can, I, I know you, you get off at 9 p.m. our time, so I don't know if you can head out here there's too many <laughs> well, tall buildings I'll, I'll, where you are. But I'll um, see what
3: I can do. <laughs> What's going if, on?
1: If somebody could look for it and uh, send you a, um, a Zoom video of it. But the other day, okay, so... All this time, you know, the five years, I was like, why, why? I got lost friends. Luckily, not really any family members, but um, to the maggots and fanatics. They are fanatics, or you want to call them cult members, whatever. And then it just dawned on me, the epiphany. Madonna, when I was a teenager, in my 20s, into my 30s. I was a fanatic, and I had older friends tell me, why, why? She's so superficial. She's this, she's that. Why are you wearing clothes like her? And then you would meet guys that just said they liked Madonna to meet more women. So it's not just all these followers following Trump. It's because they want to be in that uh, community. Community. The community of people. I get along with you. No, I don't really like Trump, but I'll just do whatever. And then you find out that Madonna was a liar, a cheater, and a thief. She, she lied about so many things. She blamed everybody else on mm. her actions. That um, Truth or Dare documentary, uh, right. I'm, I'm never going to get any plastic surgery, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, now we don't. And then right. um, when they showed her backstage and, oh, oh the police are going to arrest you if you do that one thing on your stage show. And her manager's telling her, don't do it, don't I, do it. I, I, this is, Trump, is
3: just like Trump, by the way, but go on.
1: Well, I'm just saying the lies. Just when her manager tells her specifically not to do it, she lies and says, well, I'm going to tell the police that my manager told me it was okay to do it. Right. So she's going to blame everybody else. And oh, I then, see what you're
3: saying. Yes. You
1: know, the horrific thing, she vilified. Anderson Cooper used to have his own daytime talk show, and she was a guest. I remember. find vilifying the fanatic that, that was there in the audience. And Madonna asked her, why aren't you going, you know, are you going
3: to... No, no, I'm on? with you. Listen, I, I, I can agree. I'll go with you on the Madonna as a megalomaniac like Trump. But I, I will say in Madonna's defense, she is a self-made okay. megalomaniac. She wasn't born into it like Trump was. She, okay. she was that born poor and was a good dancer and, and you know, and, and figured okay. out a pop hook. Okay. So That's she's a self-made megalomaniac. And in that sense, she's well, we're, earned we're,
1: it. I want to focus on the followers, the fanatics. Yes. And yeah. So they will go, and I was one. And you go and you go and you go, and people try to talk you out of it. I'm like, oh, I know she did that. She said those horrible things about Sinead O'Connor. and look oh, sure at did. Sinead was so right about the Catholic Church, but, she, but uh, Madonna said the opposite and defended the Catholic Church. Oh, well, okay, I'm just going to focus on her art. I'm just going to focus. Then we found out for the rock to vote, she wasn't even a registered voter. And you
3: got to get memory. Oh. She sure wasn't. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, oh, no, no, you can't knock me down yet. I'm still Madonna. Now she's in her fifties and she's learning how to play guitar. I'm still going to stick
3: I, with her. I, I get what you're saying. I get and I applaud she, you on your own cult deprogramming. Ball. But
1: That's my point.
3: But Madonna did more. I would. Time, say, but I get where you're going. I would just say Madonna has contributed more to society than Donald Trump because um, you know Donald Trump made a crappy reality show that no one cares about anymore. Madonna did make a lot of pop songs that people me. still enjoy. <laughs>
1: Make crappy movies, nobody cares about. She used men that she called her husband. You
3: know. Yeah, I I, I get it. I just I, I I get everything you say. I agree with everything you say. I just still can't put Madonna on the same level of corrosive narcissist say, no, as no, Donald no, Trump. Yeah,
1: don't focus on her so much as the Megaloman. I'm just saying.
3: Oh, I thought the whole point of this call was focusing yeah. on her. Okay. Shanghai Surprise was on the level with January. Yeah, the Shanghai. Okay, but yes, but Shanghai Surprise. Yeah. But George Harrison produced it, and, and I think that's a mitigating circumstance. No, because he felt really bad guy, about it.
1: Her husband Guy Melt movie on the island was Guy really Ritchie swept away.
3: Yeah, swept away. That's a yeah, remake guy of a pretty good movie. Ritchie.
1: Yeah, but um, yeah,
3: listen, I, I saw Madonna. I saw Madonna on Broadway when I was a teenager in David Mamet's Speed so the Plow. I. So, so I'm I. the real victim here.
1: With Ron Silver and with Ron Silver and, Ron
3: Silver and Joe Mantegna.
1: I was right there
0: in the audience
3: with all we I TV thought you sounded familiar. <laughs> Laura, I gotta run, but I love this conversation. I, I, I promise that I will boycott Madonna's campaign and Trump's. Okay. Okay, and I, by the way, I wish Madonna a healthy recovery and I wish America a speedy recovery from Trump. We'll be right back with the great Bob Seska and more of your calls in just a second. We're at eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight.
4: Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do.
3: This is Sirius XM Progress. I'm John saying, Welcome to it. I'm just reading my favorite greatest hits of the 45-page indictment. Uh, on the pretext of baseless fraud claims, Trump pushed officials in certain states to ignore the popular vote, disenfranchise millions of voters, dismiss legitimate electors, and ultimately cause the ascertainment of and voting by illegitimate electors in favor of Trump. You know, free speech. Oh, these idiots and their horrible defenses. I need someone smarter than me, more moral than me, and taller than me to make sense of this and ridicule these folks. Fortunately, we have the host of the Bob Seska Show, Bob Seska. You might be a fan from his days on Stephanie Miller. You might be a fan from his columns on Salon and the Daily Banter. We are thrilled to have him every hump day. Bob, happy happy first indictment of a president for the third time week.
5: Yeah, you know what? They're all stacking up. We we forgot we were talking before uh, we came on the air here about other things to talk about. And I realized, oh, my God, there were superseding indictments late last week after we talked Wednesday night. So, maybe we could talk about that, too. We could talk about the superseding Let's, indictments that start there. Are, and the I'd love to. of I'd, errors, yeah.
3: <laughs> I would love to talk about the superseding indictments, because, again, we, we were, last week, it was so funny, we kept waiting and waiting for what the indictments were going to be on yeah. on this count, on, on January 6th, and then suddenly, we got, you know, we already had 37 felony accounts, we were happy with those, right? 31 counts under the Espionage Act, willful yep. retention of classified records and fluids, you know, false statements and representation, blah, 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 then mm-hmm. they, they, they added it, bringing it up to 40 counts, um, attempting to alter, destroy, mutilate or conceal evidence, <laughs> inducing someone else to do so, and then a count under the Espionage Act relating to the classified document he allegedly showed off at Bedminster. This would be uh, adding 50 more years to a potential guilty verdict. What do you think of this and, and why do you think it came out so late in the game when we were all looking for a totally different indictment?
5: As far as I'm concerned, that superseding set of indictments, the ones you just covered there, that's basically like the Empire Strikes Back of this trilogy of Jack Smith indictments. Because it's, it's really the best one as far as I'm concerned. I mean, obviously, they're all appropriate and justice will hopefully be served. But that second set of indictments that lumped on top of the Mar-a-Lago indictments is so entertaining to me. <laughs> it's so fascinating because it could be the most important set, mainly because it shows consciousness of guilt. It shows Donald Trump had something to hide, and then he engaged in a conspiracy with some of his henchmen at Mar-a-Lago to hide the evidence, to destroy the evidence, to actually go in and do exactly what Donald Trump has been screaming about Hillary you know, for since, since 2015, since the acid-washing nonsense with the homebrew server. Mm -hmm. And so here's Donald Trump doing the exact or at least trying to do the same thing he's been accusing Hillary of all this time, which is to delete that server and all the security camera footage on it. Why? Well, we're probably going to find out from Carlos de Oliveira once he flips and he will flip.
3: Do you think he will flip? I mean, when Donald Trump is paying your legal fees, you can't count on everyone being a Cassidy Hutchinson and going her own way.
5: Well, I, I think it's only going to last for so long. I think when once Carlos de Oliveira realizes the trouble that he's in, uh, and, and he may not yet understand the gravity of his situation, but we need to find out what happened in that 24-minute phone call be- between him and Donald Trump. And that's the information that he could provide. That Tavares can't provide that information, Trump uh, employee number four in that, in that indictment. Uh, So we need Day Oliveira to uh, to start cooperating with Jack Smith. And I think once he realizes, again, what he could end up facing as far as sentencing goes, he may reconsider all of that. And I think we're going to see that in the not too distant future when it comes to these co-conspirators named in yesterday's set of indictments. How so? So, Yeah. Well, because I think one of the reasons why they were just named and not necessarily indicted yesterday i think partly was to keep the focus on donald trump but also to give them a chance to say "Uh (laughs) uh-oh we're up to our eyeballs in doo-doo here and we've got to do something to wiggle out of this and and look i i'm astonished by the number of people who are willing to go to jail for donald trump So I don't know if these guys, all of these lawyers, including John Eastman and Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell and uh, the the bro of cheese, uh, Ken Cheesebro. (laughs) I don't know if they're willing to go to jail to stay to remain in Donald Trump's good graces. That would be insane. I just uh, you know, look, I understand that they're inner circle people. But what I can understand is this loyalty to the point of facing federal prison for God knows how many years, as a consequence of participating in this conspiracy. So I think uh, what Jack Smith is going to do is he's going to press them enough to the, to the point where they will eventually cooperate and try to cut some sort of deal. And I mm. think that is absolutely in the offing. I think we're going to see indictments uh, of these people in the not-too-distant future. And so uh, that's where we are.
3: Do you have any theories on who um, unindicted co-conspirator number six might be? Because we're, we're, we're hearing strong Boris Epstein rumors. And, you know, me and Chris, we're always excited when someone we know hits the big time.
5: <laughs> yeah. I, God, I have no idea. I have no idea. Well, let me anyone's let guess. Uh, let me ask you, you know.
3: yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I want to ask I you about the potential. Brad, Brad
5: Parscale. I mean, I don't know who who else would be at that level. Who who else would be engaging Navarro? Navarro. To that degree. Navarro. Peter. Peter Navarro. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a pretty good shot. Jason uh, Miller, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, so many to choose. Stephen Miller. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, I forgot to mention
5: Jeffrey Clark. Jeffrey Clark was uh, what number five in the, on the yes. list. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yes.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, it seems like, Bob, there's there's three lines of defense that they've come up with in the first 24 hours. Three main defenses. Number one, delay, 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 become president and kill this. That's number one. Um, that's that's the, that's the big plan. Number two is it, it's just free speech. It's just free speech. Yeah. Why, we, we're attacking people for free speech. Why don't we go after? Why don't we go after Chuck, Chuck Schubert for wearing white after Labor Day then? huh? I mean, free, it's a, You know, which, again, the right to lie party, it literally says in the indictment, he's allowed to lie. It's just what he's doing while he's lying. Um, And then the third line of defense, which I think we're going to hear more of, is um, he's just kind of dopey. He didn't know. It's the Ronald Reagan Iran-Contra defense. He really believed this was true. Yes, three pages of people telling him it was a lie, but he just believed it. And, and that could be, Your Honor, the best defense, that he just really, really believed it. Please make him president. He can't tell fantasy from reality. That's our guy.
5: Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. I, I, this no. indictment from yesterday is loaded with mentions of knowingly misstated or knowingly lied about the results of the election. Jack Smith is going to prove in court that Donald Trump knew that this was all bullshit from the very beginning. And there's probably numerous quotes, most likely from Mark Meadows and uh, uh, Mike Pence's uh, contemporaneous notes at the time. There's going to be direct quotes. There's going to be evidence showing that Donald Trump was fully aware. I mean, even when he said to Mike Pence, oh, you're too honest. That was kind of an omission of, oh, yes, but I'm lying. And you're not going to participate in my lie with me. So that makes you too honest. So that's where that gets eliminated right off the bat. The First Amendment argument is just utter nonsense because this has nothing to do with Donald Trump. In fact, Jack Smith went out of his way in this indictment to state that this had nothing to do with with Donald Trump's lies about the outcome of the election. This had everything Mm -hmm. to do with conspiring with uh, members of the Department of Justice in order to launch an investigation there. This involved disenfranchising voters, millions and millions of voters in all the major swing states, just eliminating their votes with this fake electors scam. That was part of it. Uh, obstructing an official proceeding was the the Mike Pence angle on all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, Eric Trump was on, I don't know, one of, with Jesse Waters, I think, either today or last oh, night. Oh, wow.
3: I'm sorry. I, I missed that. Damn it. Go
5: on. <laughs> yes, sorry, I know. Man. I'm so, so terribly sorry. But this is a spoiler warning. He didn't make any sense because he was talking about January 6th. Well, wait till they see the video. Wait till they see the videos of what happened inside the Capitol. Well, we've all seen that video. Tucker Carlson was showing that video all over the place. And besides, this has nothing to do with the violence or the actual physical invasion by the Proud Boys and the throng of insurrectionists on January 6th. This is all about Donald Trump's conspiracy that That's right. led up to those actions. The, official, the obstruction of a, an official proceeding had nothing to do with the invasion and occupation of the Capitol.
3: I mean, it it lays it out beautifully. And I got to read the indictment on the flight today. Um, Trump knew he was lying, but he lied anyway to create what they call an intense national atmosphere of mistrust and anger. Okay, Mm -hmm. not sure if that's illegal yet. Right. People in Trump's orbit repeatedly told him there was no evidence of voter fraud. So he knew he was lying. Okay, not sure if it's illegal yet. But then you see him pressuring the Department of Justice to support him and threatening to fire anybody who wouldn't go along with his plan. Mike Pence's notes. Totally helped the special counsel craft this entire case. And we now know, you know, Trump was watching on TV while his supporters were having this terrorist attack on the Capitol. But he wasn't just watching. He was literally lobbying legislators to go ahead and throw out the votes. He was, mm-hmm. he was privately, while it was going on, like actually going ahead and pressuring GOP lawmakers to delay certification during the Absolutely.
5: violence. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, that's it. Boom. The amazing thing about all this, John, is we're talking about election fraud with regard to what's going to happen in Fulton County. We're talking about election fraud when it comes to this set of indictments. We're talking about uh, conspiracy to defraud the United States, to, com- to commit fraud against the United States. I mean, we could do this list all night long. And what continues to baffle me is how this guy continues to be I mean if you believe the polls continues to be neck and neck in all of this and not a single other Republican can even come close I know that says a lot about the extraordinarily weak Republican bench they don't have anyone who can challenge this guy but it also signifies the fact that Donald Trump is the Republican Party I mean this fully underscores it You know, you could throw in his entire awful record as president, the fact that he presided over the deaths of 400,000 Americans due to COVID because of his incompetence and slow walking that response. Uh, You can throw in the fact that he lost the popular vote in 2016, lost the midterms in 2018, lost his reelection campaign in 2020, lost the midterms in 2022, was impeached twice, and yet this guy is still their guy. It's an amazing statement about how, horrendous the republican party uh, bench is and the other thing i just want to throw this in as an entertaining aside oh my god they're running out of money the
3: they're running out of money you see suckers, the political article
5: yeah the yep. suckers are running out of money to give to donald trump and he's burning through it paying for all these legal fees they haven't even gotten to campaigning yet no, i can't imagine what this is going to look like a year from now
3: In the first half of this year, Bob, we found out this week, they raised $53 million in campaign funds. They spent $57 million in campaign funds, and most of that money went to defense attorneys.
5: It's amazing. They can't nominate a guy or a woman who's not uh, up to his eyeballs in legal fees. They can't find someone who's got to constantly defend themselves. And, by the way, who, if he gets convicted... May not even be able to become president because of the Constitution.
3: Oh, but listen. we're already I mean, we're doing countdowns every day, Bob, until the first date of all of these different trials and the RNC in January, uh, July 15th, which I think will be the, for many of us, the first contested election we've gotten to watch in our lifetimes, because yeah. they may be on the verge of nominating a convicted felon to be president. And there will be old guard Republicans who just won't let that happen. And I think, Bob, that movement will gain some momentum in a couple of weeks when the first Republican presidential debate happens without Donald Trump on stage. Everyone's going to watch this and it's mm-hmm. going to be Chris Christie beating up everybody on stage. Chris Christie is going to pick up. He's going to physically lift uh, Asa Hutchinson by the ankles and beat Ron DeSantis with him in this debate. And I'm telling you, Donald Trump won't be on stage. And you're going to have at least Trump, maybe Pence, Will Hurd, all calling Trump's lies out. It Mm -hmm. could really start to change the narrative. If they have several of these, they get good numbers. And people are having a good time without Trump on that stage.
5: Yeah, they're going to start to realize that Donald Trump is an albatross around their neck. It's just its a, a weight on the entire party. That, oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, should I not be giving them advice? Yeah, you know what? I, I, you gave me the shush gesture.
3: Yes, and, I know. No, I MAGA, just, please stop support tri- him, please, MAGA. Go ahead and nominate Donald Trump. Oh, I, yeah, please don't, don't send him money, MAGA. That owns the libs. Yeah. We hate it when you send him money. Please. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bob, it's going to be an amazing year. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's so it's so bonkers crazy the next year and all of these different lawyers names. We're going to have to learn. Uh, I want to just take a moment to to get your reflections on, you know, you know last week we talked about Sinead, um now it's the loss of Paul Rubens which I don't think anybody was really ready for he was only 70 years old um yeah. millions of us grew up with Pee Wee Herman and uh you know someone again not without his own demons and problems over the years but um what was your take and were you a big fan
5: I was a gigantic fan uh he was so interesting and unique and unusual there was no one like Paul Rubens Pee Wee Herman character it was just an incredible invention of his that had such endearing qualities and uh, and an unflappable optimism uh, his, his the, the seeing that scene in peewee's big adventure of just peewee waking up in the morning and doing yeah. all of his morning things was just so delightful and you know as i keep thinking he made back, tim burton's career
3: he made tim burton's career absolutely
5: with that what a great pairing by the way of Paul Rubens and Pee Wee Herman and Phil Hartman to yes. make that you know lightning in a bottle film that is just it's I, I keep forgetting all the amazing scenes in that movie and then as I'm recalling them, I'm like oh yeah there's that one too oh and there's the thing with where he falls over on the bike and says I meant to do that oh and then there's yeah. the scene with uh, James Brolin where he's got the dubbed voice as That's the bellhop right. at the desk and it just goes on and on and on. It's such a wonderful movie, but it, it, between his TV show and his appearances TV show is Letterman. I mean, just a great,
3: yeah. great TV show. Yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah. And I just, I so appreciate uh, comedians and performers who create unique characters, characters that exactly. you've never seen before. And he, exactly. And, and, and to that degree, uh, Paul Rubens was an iconoclast. I would categorize right. him as a one-of-a-kind, they-broke-the-mold kind of mind and we're just we're so fortunate to have been on this planet at the same time as this wonderful wonderful f- performer and uh you know you, you could name a list of uh you know a couple dozen iconoclasts but he's one of the first names that pops to mind and uh it just it was one of those uh, deaths that re- reminded me so much of uh when robin williams died you know oh, yeah. he just there's something that's especially tragic about someone who seems so kind and uh, empathetic and of ebullient course. and all of these things. Of course, yeah. But also, uh, you know, we when we a know. great
3: dramatic actor goes, we're diminished. But when it's a great clown, yeah. uh, it, it's just you know, we last year with Saget, with Norm, with Gilbert, it's mm-hmm. just so hard. With with Judy Tenuta, it's so hard to put a put to to find a meaning in it and. You know, when you think about uh, com- comedic actors and artists who were able to create one character and play that character for a whole career, it's very few who really... Ch- Chaplin and the Little Tramp, you know, Harpo Marx, mm-hmm. Minnie Pearl. I mean, Larry the Cable Guy. That's a very broad spectrum of talent there. But I'm just oh, saying yeah. it's very rare that an artist picks a character and plays it. And Pee Wee Herman has been part of the public zeitgeist for over 40 years. I mean, he's just a cultural touchstone for so many of us.
5: Yeah, great, he would have he would have fit perfectly with the Marx brothers he would have fit perfectly and, and not a lot of people make this observation but there was a lot of Ernie Kovacs in Pee-wee Herman mm-hmm. be, with all of the weird props and the the chaotic nature of that TV show that was Ernie Kovacs Ernie Kovacs yes. was sort of like I would say he's like Pee-wee Herman's grandfather yes. uh, and <laughs> if you look at some of those old uh, you know kinescopes of Ernie Kovacs you see a lot of Wee herman in there too and I, I don't know if anyone's made that observation yet probably have but oh, now uh, you're making me
3: review everything in my mind bob how do we follow you how do our listeners follow you and keep up with all your doings mr seska uh
5: you can follow my podcast bob show.com that's the patreon page and also wherever you get your podcasts
3: yeah it's so good to see you bob thank you so much for joining us we gotta hit a quick break we'll be right back with your calls at 866-997-4748 I'm John Fiegel saying this is Sirius XM Progress. We are at 866-997-4748. Some of y'all have been on hold for a long time. Let's get to your calls. Sean in California, is today your birthday?
6: Hey, brother. Today is my birthday. It's Happy birthday. birthday. Yeah.
3: Happy hey, birthday.
6: You know, thanks, brother. Yeah, I mean, you know, I usually don't count the fact that it's my birthday, but... Um, you know, I mean, I'm happy to be 56 years young, which is kind of funny. Happy and, birthday. That's great. And paying attention to politics and staying married 31 years. You know, there's a few things to wow. be grateful for. I'm impressed. Yeah, so, I, well, I mean, hi, buddy. And we got neighbors saying hi. They're all together. That's my buddy next door. But I was wondering why the hell, you know, Donald bin Laden is not detained. I mean, I think that... If you want to say, if any of the uh, Republicans are saying he's getting, you know, railroaded or anything like that,
3: they're well, all saying he'd it. He'd
6: be railroaded if they detained his ass, like everyone else in his situation <laughs> would be, especially with the uh, espionage, you know, document, because uh, it's not a documents case, it's the espionage case uh, act. But anyway, I mean, that's kind of my thing is like, I mean, it. He's being treated
3: very fairly. Oh, fairly. He's being treated extremely fairly. The fact that this guy's made it to 76 and has never done a day in jail shows how extremely fairly he's been treated. I mean, this man's walked between the raindrops legally his entire life, and for the amount of legal jeopardy he's in, that he doesn't even have to worry about being on bail, he's doing fine.
6: Well, and that's the case, because you have... um if there's any injustice or any two-tiered justice like McCarthy who has no balls to be a normal human being Correct. Um, is, is that he would say that oh no they're treating him fairly but he'll get off or he can make he could frame it any kind of way but yeah. instead what he's doing is trying to make it some ridiculous first amendment thing right and that's ridiculous I mean yes. the fact is you have to support a guy who's a criminal he's not just a criminal in all these cases he's been a criminal his whole adult life
3: yes that's true
6: and grifted upon everybody <laughs> didn't pay workers i mean you could go on and on how many uh, bankruptcies six six i can understand one or two that's why it's there it's for people
3: to. sure take hey we've all been there one or two times sure Yeah, but no, six? Yeah, exactly. Donald Trump lost a billion dollars in a year, and your right-wing cousin wants him to be president because he's a successful businessman, and that's who should run our economy. I mean, it's just madness. It's a cult. It really has been a moral IQ test for our country, and again, everyone has redeeming qualities. I don't hate anybody who supports Donald Trump, but there's only two kinds of people who support him. Greedy, evil motherfuckers and suckers.
6: Absolutely. And and by the way, we will keep doing the good work for all of them, even if they never appreciate it, because, you know, that's what Jesus would do.
3: Amen. Amen. I hope you have a great birthday. Thank you, Sean.
6: Thanks, brother. Love you.
3: Bye. Right back. Oh, another great Leo. My brother's a Leo. He just had a birthday last week. 866-997-GRIT. Rachel in L.A., you've been on hold for so long. Welcome. How are you?
0: Oh, good. Welcome to you, to Los Angeles. Glad that you're Thank here. Thank you. It's good to be back. Yes. Uh, okay. First of all, I think maybe you were talking about this last night. The McCarthy-Swalwell uh, dust-up. Yes. Did you guys talk about that? Oh, my God.
3: Talked about it last week. Yeah, I didn't go into too great detail on it, but it's a pretty funny story. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, <laughs> Swalwell tells it. I was watching Swalwell talking about it today. But, I mean, McCarthy is like... You call me a pussy One more time It's like He's literally The biggest pussy Right
3: I'm sorry Well that's the That's the whole story It's not the story That Swalwell told It's a story That multiple Eyewitnesses told And pardon my language For speaking like Donald Trump But Swalwell Called him a pussy Because he's being Jerked around By his own caucus And he knows it And and McCarthy Blocked his path To the men's room And said yeah. You call me a pussy One more time And I'll beat The shit out of you And apparently <laughs> Representative Swalwell Who's a friend Of this show Said you are a pussy and um, spoiler alert, no shit was beaten from Representative Swalwell. Uh, Speaker McCarthy allowed him to enter the commode. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I mean, it's quite a story, but it's not going to surprise anyone in the Republican Party no. or the Democratic Party. Oh, my
0: God. It's just so, I mean, it's just like McCarthy is just, he is that. I mean, I'm sorry to say a yeah. bad word, too. <laughs> I know it's a bad word.
3: Um, no, it's not a bad word. But, yeah, well, yeah, I don't. It's a bad word for some people.
0: people. It can be used. There's
3: wor- there's worse words. There's worse euphemisms, but go on.
0: <laughs> um and you were just talking about um I was listening to the first part of it. The you went to the speed the plow.
3: Mhm. I did.
0: Was it bad? It was it a bad play?
3: No, it's a great play. It's a terrific. It's a fantastic play. Although I will say when I saw it, because Madonna's in it, I, I think there was a lot more teenage girls in the audience than normally would have come to see a David Mamet play about a couple of Hollywood scumbags.
0: Because um, that playroom really, inst- and Madonna, was like very instrumental in my life. Like, because um, I'm a clothing designer, and when she was in that play, I was first becoming a designer and being like successful. I was in Barney's and my clothes were Barney's and I, it was a Tony Award. And I, I decided that Madonna should wear this outfit that I made and I like went on my bicycle and I went to that theater and I, I went um, to her dressing room and I clued in there with a note that said, I, I don't know what you're wearing to the Tony's but I think you should wear this. <laughs> and like, me. yeah and then, then they called me like i know they left me a message on my answering i like, an answering machine <laughs> and they were like yeah we were just in Barnett looking for the thing she's gonna wear it and she wore my wow. thing in the tony awards it was like a really big thing for my career so I've, like, i, I, I
3: yeah I've, i never you know. i never met her i've never seen a, have con- seen her play at award shows and i've i saw her on broadway in this in this play once years ago but that's that's the extent of my time in the, in the audience for madonna
0: i met her like for two seconds and her, Naomi Campbell invited me to this, her Brits party, like, her Brits used to have a party with Madonna because like, the same birthday, and it mm-hmm.
1: was
0: like, Naomi Campbell invited me to that freaking party, and, like, I went, and then I saw Madonna, and I was, like, I don't know, like, I just said hi, and I, like, ran away. It was so ridiculous.
3: <laughs> 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 really
0: silly, Um, but I used to, when I first lived in New York also, like, my Favorite thing that first album that she had, you know, with yeah. Ray and all really good songs. Mm-hmm. Like I used to live like on the 80th street and I worked in the garment center, you know, and I was like yeah. my favorite thing to have on my headphones and like walk to work and like I would blast that the album of hers and like everyone was so friendly. I love New York for that. Like all the doormen were everyone. I like being for everyone's like going to work, and I guess it's different now because
3: no one's really going to work. <laughs> You're bringing me back to the '80s in New York, and listen, I appreciate yeah, Madonna. I think she's fun. had lots of. I think "Like a Prayer" is a great yeah. song. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that "Ray of Light" is a great freaking song. I just, I always felt that there were other uh, performers um, of her milieu at the time that were better sing I think Cyndi Lauper is like oh, ten sure. times the singer Madonna oh, is, and I, I never understood why Madonna gets the huge career and other people don't. I think, I think Lady Gaga does it better. I think Beyoncé does it better than Madonna did it, but I appreciates yeah. oh, totally. what she gave the culture, and I appreciate how she... Look, I, I didn't like everything she did, but she, she tended to scare the right guys. That's why I like what the Barbie movie. Did. It scared the right people.
0: It's, I don't know what's going on with her. Like, you know, when this talk show was still on, it was just like on Jimmy Fallon, for instance, she was on like, like a year or so ago, and I was like, what is wrong with her? Like, she's she totally like and like, there's something yeah. wrong with her
3: right now. I don't We're not going to. I don't want to speculate on what's going on with Madonna. I, I, I hope she has a speedy <laughs> recovery, and um, that she focuses on making interesting music. That's what I'd like to see.
0: Um, Rachel, I got to run, but I. Oh, okay. Well, he's getting
3: fair treatment. Okay. Okay. I, I, oh, Trump is getting fair. I think he's, Trump's getting incredibly fair okay. treatment. Of course, he is. He you is or on. I would have been in jail a long time ago. If you yeah, and I had yeah, stolen top-secret government documents and, and had not returned them and the lie that we had, you know, I'd, I'd, be, yeah. I'd be discussing what my cellmate wants for dinner. It's
0: ridiculous. It's not our fault. The world's fault. or Biden's
3: fault. Like, he's a criminal. That's it. Rachel, thank you so very, very much. 866-997-4748. Mike in Georgia. Welcome.
4: You're on Sirius XM. Brother John, thank you very much. I had listened to one Sinead O'Connor song in my life. I was looking at YouTube and no yeah. one compares to you. That video was amazing. I watched yep. it a bunch of times. Then last week he said she made a lot more music than just that.
3: I know. That's the so, one song we're not playing on this show. I'm trying to play every other Sinead connor's song on this show, but that one. So what on did you? what my, did you explore?
4: Well, I downloaded a bunch of them on my telephone. When I'm at the gym I play one after another after another. Then I accidentally... Here comes Barbara Streisand. I'm listening to it a little closer and I'm going, Barbara Streisand never sounded this good mm-hmm. on Bewitched, Bothered, and, Bothered bewildered. and Bewildered. Something I may have heard in the 50s or 60s. It was a long time ago. Yeah. That was Sinead, then a little bit longer.
3: Her third album.
4: Don't, Don't cry for me, Argentina.
3: Yeah, and then
4: she played a duet with Willie Nelson. Thank you very much, John. I would have never known about those.
3: That's a so duet. That's by the way, the duet is a Peter Gabriel song, "Don't Give Up," which Peter did with Kate Bush, very famously. Willie Nelson, the day after Sinead was booed off stage at the Dylan tribute show, invited her to come and do and cover it with him for his album "Across the Borderline," which is great. And Willie Nelson's cover with Sinead O'Connor is a wonderful, wonderful recording. Okay.
4: Uh, yeah. I better let go. I've got another story or two, but uh, you've got a lot of people on the line. I'll
3: no, be- but I love it. I mean, I, I I love that you like got into her music. I, that was my biggest hope that people would explore more of her stuff. I mean, for me, like she was just this incredibly uncompromising and and powerful rock singer, and and I I, I was drawn to her for her punk sensibility, but the melodies and the lyrics. And over the years, I realized like. You know, I, I my opinions on feminism and Christianity and theology were so shaped by her as a young person in so many ways. I mean, I I never would have listened. I never would have been a young guy listening to songs about being a mother or pregnancy if it wasn't for Sinead O'Connor. And a lot of that stuff I never would have been open to as a guy if she hadn't been the one delivering the message. So I think I, I know a lot of really cool men who like her music, and it's really, really a, a pleasure to hear you say that you diso- you enjoyed what you discovered.
4: I went from the Beatles and the Rolling Stones then went asleep for about a decade or so i missed a lot i missed
3: (laughs) oh well you're 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 very lucky there's so much great music to catch up on thank you so much mike it's a pleasure to hear from you
4: pleasure to talk to you too have fun
3: be well 866-997-4748 we're gonna take a quick break we'll be right back with your calls and joined by the great max burns this is sirius xm I have to admit, I didn't know about the Denver blackface lady until Max Burns told me. Now, I... I I tremble for my country when I consider that God is just. Oh my lord. I I learn a lot from Max Burns. Sometimes he thinks I don't want to know, but hey, you gotta be fearless. Max is a public relations Society of America award winning democratic strategist, terrific political columnist, and his work has guided some very successful companies and campaigns. You may have read his stuff at the Daily Beast, seen him on News Nation, NBC News. He regularly classes up serious XM. What a pleasure to welcome Max Burns back to progress. Hello, sir. Thank
7: you. Thanks so much for having me, man. This week has not Thank let you. up.
3: No, it's not. But I got to tell you, I thought the only thing that happened in the world today was the fallout from the impeachment. I'm glad I have you to tell me about Denver Blackface Lady. I just saw this clip a minute ago. Um, what is going on? I mean, I, this woman, isn't. it looks like it's a target, right? And she just looks like she's got her, her, her mud mask on. And she just came in looking for attention, didn't she?
7: She did. I mean, this apparently she put her black face on, drove to the Target and Facebook Live recorded herself on her page the whole drive, went in throwing glitter and demanding to see their pride section. And one of the workers says, ma'am, it's August. I mean, the pride stuff hasn't been up for two months now. But apparently this this woman is clearly experiencing something. And it, in a post to Facebook she made, she says she's on a psychiatric hold at UC Health right now, which, oh. I mean, it's tough to argue is not the right choice here. It's clearly not her best day.
3: No, it's clearly not. We wish her a, a speedy recovery. Um, and we can only begin to speculate who She voted for. Uh, speaking of which, Max, what a day. There's so much to go through. And I spent the day on the plane reading the actual indictment. There is so much in there that I didn't know about. Um, so many factors that I think have to be covered in so many ways. I know every news article has got the six big takeaways from the, the, the indictment. I'm wondering what some of yours might be, because there's there's a lot they crammed into 45 pages.
7: There is. And it's what's really interesting to me is the most interesting part is getting the least conversation from my perspective, which is that that conspiracy against rights charge, which is effectively saying, uh, making very clear in the indictment that Donald Trump and six co-conspirators work together to try and deprive American citizens of their fundamental constitutional right to vote. And I, I simply cannot think of a worse moral crime you can commit in a democracy where our vote is the root of all of our political power. To say that the votes you don't want to count are not going to count and win or lose, you're going to hold on to power. It it strikes at the very heart of our experiment in self-government.
3: It's it's deeply true. And again, not just not being able to vote, but not, you know, blocking the right to have your vote counted I mean, they really are spelling out the language in very simple terms, and I think that's going to be very effective at the quite well-coordinated bullshit talking points of defense we've heard, which is mainly um, free speech, you idiots. He can say whatever he wants, and uh, that's pretty much all we've heard from the GOP faithful so far.
7: Yeah. I mean, we've seen defenses evolving through the day. Now, the most recent one, which Mike Pence tested out in his remarks, is actually Donald Trump isn't a criminal. He was just hoodwinked by all these crackpot lawyers into believing the election was stolen. So in the GOP mind, Donald Trump is really the victim here and certainly not liable for the things that happened because of those lies. And the problem with that is, of course, the indictment shows that's not true, that Donald Trump was ignoring and even firing people who told him the election was fair, that he was kneecapping anyone who said otherwise, and that he was actively rewarding people who were doing his bidding in the press by bringing them in on this conspiracy. And it's shocking to me that Mike Pence would still carry that water for the GOP, given that he was the victim of some of the worst kneecapping Trump delivered.
3: Yeah, but does it really shock you, Max? Because let's be honest, this is Mike Pence we're talking about. Along with Trump, I've always said he's all the evil, twice the hypocrisy and half the comedy value. I mean, Mike Pence is trying to ride this wave as best he can. He is seemingly running for president and wants to have a career in politics still, yet he knows that he can only tell so much truth before MAGA hates him forever. I mean, the indictment. Talks about how Pence took contemporaneous notes during one meeting with Trump and John Eastman and that Trump knowingly was pushing false claims of election fraud during that meeting. Trump said, in, in, according to Pence's notes, bottom line, we won every state by hundreds of thousands of votes. Eastman asked Pence to either reject the legitimate electors from the seven states that Trump wanted to dispute or at least send the question of which electors was legitimate, back to the state legislatures. As I read all of this, I'm like, Pence really cooperated with Jack Smith tremendously, and I think he's trying to make it seem like he didn't. He wants to have it both ways. He's coming out there saying, well, no president who thinks he's above the Constitution should be able to serve, yet he still wants to be liked by people who want to hang him.
7: I mean, isn't that so perverse, in a sense? Like, it is very true from these... Uh, indictment and the documents that were given, that so much of it depends on Pence's contemporaneous notes and that it's clear Pence at no point went along with this, was flat out from the beginning with his team, that this was going to be a disaster, that it wasn't even worth discussing. But you won't see that talked about. And even though Mike Pence's team was so nervous for their own safety that they requested additional secret service to protect them from the president's supporters. You won't hear Mike Pence say a word about that. You won't hear Mike Pence say a word about how there were open calls to invoke the Insurrection Act and literally Mm. empower Trump to gun down Americans who would protest against his seizing power. The worst parts of this are going to be completely ignored by these people.
3: You're exactly right. I mean, I thought one of the most damning parts of the indictment, Max, was seeing how Trump was really, as you mentioned, pressuring the Justice Department to back up his lies and threatening to remove anybody who refused to go along with his plan. Uh, or as Jack Smith put it, thus giving the defendants lies the backing of the federal government. but. The acting attorney general and the acting deputy attorney general both refused, which I think should get a lot more uh, a lot more airtime here. Um, but this is when Trump said, "Just say it was corrupt and leave the rest to me and the Republican congressman." We've heard that before, but you know, again, he, he tried to install co-conspirator four as acting attorney general to help further the entire plot, and then back down after a lot of his s- staff threatened a mass resignation. I mean. This is not going to go well for Donald Trump. There's just too much testimony on the record, Max, and it all comes from
7: Republicans. It does. I mean, it is impossible to pin this one on the liberal conspiracy. Every single witness who testified against Donald Trump was literally someone Donald Trump chose to work with. Was except, his for own the mo- except for the, mo-
3: the except for for Shea Moss uh, and, and, her, and her daughter, except for them. But, yeah, the Georgia election. Otherwise, you're right.
7: But what's so shocking here is we now see a lot of we understand a lot more of those last days. Now, we know that the DOJ resignations weren't because Jeffrey Clark was was a MAGA fundamentalist. It was because he told the president, I would personally have no problem mobilizing the military to kill American citizens who will resist this. And that's why they left. And the fact that that is not front page news on every newspaper in the country, You're it right. shows a shocking misreading of what's so important in this indictment, that, that this was not a conspiracy that was meant to end on January 6th. January 6th was meant to be the springboard for a sustained campaign to consolidate power under Donald Trump. And that should terrify everybody.
3: You're right. I mean, there's this piece in Slate today by UCLA law professor Rick Hasen. I don't know if you saw it, it's called US v. Trump will be the most important case in our nation's history. And Professor Hayson says, the federal indictment just handed down by Special Counsel Smith is not only the most important indictment by far of former President Trump, it is perhaps the most important indictment ever handed down to safeguard American democracy and the rule of law in any U.S. court against anyone. Does he overstate the case, Max? How significant do you think this indictment is compared to the other ones we've seen and will be seeing?
7: I think it's easy to get get distracted by the number of charges that came out of the classified documents case. And that one is a, a pretty slam dunk case as well. But I think nothing gets to the heart of presidential abuse of power like this January 6th case. I mean, you had nothing short of a cartel of seven people in the Oval Office who were completely willing to override American democracy and and had planned it meticulously. I mean, they they were speaking like people who expected to succeed, which is why they were speaking so openly. They never imagined that there would be consequences for what they did. And, you know, they had it planned down to this succeeding Trump walking into the well of the House and being essentially coronated as president by his supporters and then invoking the Insurrection Act. I mean, this is... Frightening how advanced it was and that none of these people besides Trump have yet been indicted indicates either that that the Justice Department is working on significant separate cases or that some of these people have realized they're screwed and are cooperating.
3: So that's what's fascinating. I mean, you have a great piece in your Substack that everyone should subscribe to. By the way, I get it. Um, Your new one is called Donald Trump is an enemy of the state. The former president's latest federal indictment reveals him to be a mortal threat to our republic. And and you talk about how what happened on January 6th wasn't supposed to end on January 6th. Between Jeff Clark talking about the Insurrection Act, as you mentioned, or, or Eastman saying it's okay to have violence to protect the country. These guys really didn't have a lot of filters, and they really shut their mouths off about exactly what they were trying to do because, A, they thought it was okay, and B, they thought they'd get away with it.
7: They did. And this this really comes from Donald Trump's personality. Donald Trump spent his whole uh, adult life thinking that the presidency was a get-out-of-jail-free card. He thought that Barack Obama got to do whatever he wanted as president, and nobody criticized him that presidents were essentially above the law and he behaved like that. And when it turned out that wasn't the case, uh, his plan wasn't to comply with the law. It was to overthrow the government. I mean, mm-hmm. it is shocking to see in these in these uh, statements in the a- indictment that are clearly drawn from direct notes or audio recordings that they they got so far as their message testing their lines about the Insurrection Act to to figure out which one will play in the media I mean, that is uh, the clearest case of intent I have ever seen in a case like this.
3: I mean, so what do you say to our Republican brothers and sisters who call up and say what we're hearing Marco Rubio, who's smart enough to know better, say this is just free speech. The man was just saying what he believed. I mean, Max, I'm saying it's kind of like the the last ditch Reagan, Iran, Contra defense. Oh, he was just deluded. He didn't know what he was doing They're They're yeah. literally sliding towards that now. Oh, you, you have to let him off, Your Honor, because he doesn't know the difference between reality and fantasy.
7: Yeah, I wish these Republicans would read literally the first couple pages of the indictment, where Jack Smith takes pains to say that it is not illegal to say an election was fake or rigged. You can shout that to the Raptors as much as you want, but and not when it verges into, it. yeah, and not illegal to lie about it or to go on TV and say that that it's rigged and Joe Biden stole votes, but but it becomes a crime when you're asking people on the basis of that information that you know is a lie to sign documents claiming you won a state that you didn't i mean there's there's no clearer argument for fraud than that i mean these people mm. knowingly claimed to be people they were not and then attempted to overturn election results based on that lie and they all knew what they were doing because they were coordinating meticulously yep.
3: Wow. So where do you see this playing out, Max? We have five trials beginning for Donald Trump between now and the RNC's kickoff on July 15th of next summer. Five trials. Presumably this one, there's a chance this might start before July 15th of next year. Is this really the big one? I mean, do you think he's ever going to see any actual jail time?
7: I do. I genuinely do. I think the, this case specifically is is damning, but not necessarily a jailable situation, at least from what I've read, the the likelihood of imprisonment on these charges is minimal. But Mm. the classified documents case has several very clear, very serious federal felonies he committed that do come with minimums. And it would be very unlikely, I think, for a jury if they found him guilty to then decide that that no punishment was warranted. But it, it certainly does look now like Donald Trump is going to be spending more time in courtrooms than on the campaign trail. And fortunately for him, that doesn't seem to hurt him at all.
3: No,pe they're going to overlap as well. He will be in Alvin Bragg's courtroom twenty days after Super Tuesday. It's going to be crazy. And, and Max, I'd be most remiss uh, because I'm a fan of your Substack. If I didn't bring up your your other recent piece, which um, I kind of love. At first, I kind of I kind of got defensive against it because you know how I get with the ageism. But you you make some really solid points here, and I'm I'm very anti-ageist. But your piece is called "The U.S. Senate." is america's nursing home it's time to replace the sickly senators who are holding our country back i guess after a month that included um diane feinstein and mitch mcconnell not exactly at their best we should be prepared for the scott dialogue shouldn't we
7: yeah i mean this is a conversation that has become impossible to ignore i mean we've seen the minority leader of the senate suffer a serious medical incident on live television to the point that he was disabled and unable to continue his work and and there's been just no conversation about this since it happened. We saw Diane Feinstein clearly unaware of where she was, what she was supposed to be doing, to the point that her colleagues had to coach her on which button to push to vote. And my concern isn't the age, because, I mean, Elizabeth Warren is in her 70s. No one would argue she's lost her edge cornering banking yeah. executives. But California's 39 million people, and if they have a representative who can't do that job, They're effectively being denied the full representation they're guaranteed. And the response of the Senate, both parties, has not been to address this, but to protect those people, which only hurts the voters who are least empowered to change it.
3: You know, you cover this, of course, on The Third Degree with Max Burns, your excellent show, which everyone should watch over there on YouTube. And I know that you you are not afraid of bringing Joe Biden into this conversation as well. I, I think it's completely fair. His age should be on the table as long as Trump's age is on the table as well. Have you um, I don't know, has your have your views on Biden and his age running for re-election evolved at all?
7: I mean, I think I was one of the people very openly that thought we should have a younger candidate in 2020. But if we're judging sure. by record, I mean, there is no comparison. Joe Biden has had one of the most effective first terms since Franklin Roosevelt. And, and there's really no argument on that. You see Republicans running away from talking about issues on the Hill because they've lost so many fights to him. And while they've spent a lot of time digging into Joe Biden's stutters and stumbles, uh, they- aren't so easily able to have that conversation when their own leaders are having what looked like strokes on live television. I mean, it just shows you that this has really been poisoned by politics. And this is a conversation that should be happening regardless of politics. I mean, every state and every voter is entitled to a senator that can do the job. And if that's not the case, we have a problem of democracy.
3: The median age of voting House lawmakers right now is 57.9 years. The median age for the Senate is 65.3 years. And you know, I think it's it's Feinstein, Grassley, and McConnell who are driving that number up more and more. I, I'm I'm very much of a mixed mind on this because I'm I'm very aware that is the ageism is the one ism liberals and conservatives do equally. And I say this as someone who is loving what Harrison Ford and Paul McCartney and Carol King and Martin Scorsese are all doing in their 80s. I, I, I kind of feel like we're going to have to be really, really used to this. But what gets me crazy, Max, is we hear Biden's age all the time. We don't really hear Trump's age. And Trump would be, at the start of a second term, the age Biden is now.
7: Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely cynical. And it hurts our ability to govern effectively. I mean, you have people like Chuck Grassley, who are literally falling asleep in meetings, You have people who have stayed on long after they were functional, like Robert Byrd on the Democratic side, uh, Strom Thurmond on the Republican side. And it's because the Senate has this perverse incentive that the longer you stay, the more power you get. It's one of the reasons why the Senate does not look at all like the country it governs. And I mean, honestly, there are personal reasons, too. I mean, where else is it legal to insider trade besides Congress? That's a pretty compelling reason to stick around. But it, it's distorting the politics of our country. I mean, the majority of Americans support an age limit of between 65 and 75 for the Senate. That would yeah, effectively how, remove two thirds of them.
3: I know, but I just I struggle with this in a free society. I, I look, I don't want a bunch of cadavers making laws anyway, and I don't want a bunch of people who are completely out of touch as many of the millionaires in our Senate are. I just feel in a free society, I, I, let me quote Ronald Reagan. I mean, we should be able to vote for who we want, regardless of their age. You know, I I, 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 I mean, it's, you know, Minuto has an age cut off and I get that, um, but I don't see how you can do that in our kind of system and say, nope, after 85, you, you you can't serve anymore.
7: Well, I admit that I'm somewhat hesitant about it as well, but what concerns me more deeply is that yes, It comes down to the people. The people can vote out Dianne Feinstein if they had wanted to. But the challenge is, how do you ask voters to make an informed decision about their leadership when not just the Democratic Party, but the senator's staffers and the senator herself are lying to voters about their physical and mental condition? I mean, there's still this fantasy on the Hill, said by some senators, that Dianne Feinstein will get better. And it is delusional. She's been her decline is one of the worst kept secrets on the Hill. And the fact that that was held away from voters very intentionally so that they would not doubt her ability that that has to come with some kind of concern.
3: I can't deny it. I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had a chance to step away and let Barack Obama appoint a replacement. And she was very confident Hillary Clinton would become the president. And now Roe v. Wade's been overturned, so it's not an easy issue to, to break apart at all, and I don't have the answers on it. But I am a fan of the debate, and I, I want to just bring up one last thing. Uh, again, your your new episode is Donald Trump is an enemy of the state, Max Burns, and we began the conversation talking about the conspiracy against rights charge. Um, if, if it's okay, I'd like to just jump on that one last time, because I agree with you. Yeah. That really is the biggest one, and I think it's the simplest one, and it's going to be the easiest one for people to understand. It wasn't about Donald Trump lying, and it wasn't about Donald Trump being wrong, and it wasn't about him having lawyers that gave him bad advice or him believing things that weren't true. It was about the fact that he tried to disenfranchise the votes of the American people, period. That should be all Democrats say. That should be all we have to say when we're debating with our coworker.
7: Yeah. I mean, I think it was a shrewd choice by Jack Smith to pursue that route because the question then doesn't become the much harder question of did Donald Trump intentionally incite a group to violence, which Hmm. is a mountain to prove. Instead, now the question is, did Donald Trump's actions as laid out here and as people will testify to result in an attempt to deprive Americans of their votes? And there is plenty of evidence from Arizona. There's plenty of evidence from Georgia to show that not only did he want to do that, but when his lackeys couldn't do it, he got on the phone himself to try and make people create these fake elector slates. I mean, the intent is right there. The minute he picked up the phone shows his intent to make this happen. And that's going to be something you'll see Jack Smith come back to again and again.
3: One last question Max. You you have a great tweet how Ron DeSantis's messaging this week indicates he's following a very Jeb Bushian path, downplaying Iowa and New Hampshire for one big final stand in South Carolina. It's also kind of Jeb Bushian in how he's trying to capitalize off of a crisis while avoiding taking a bold stand on the crisis itself. He's trying to fundraise off of Donald Trump's indictment while blaming the government for Donald Trump's indictment because he can't blame Donald Trump, who he hates because he needs Trump's voters. It seems like these candidates are just sitting there waiting for Trump to either have a stroke himself or have to drop out of a race that he will never drop out of.
7: Oh, they absolutely are. I mean, it's it's just that the candidates can't have a bumper sticker that says, if Trump dies, pick me. And Ron <laughs> has been especially weird about this because now he's in South Carolina. He gave a big speech where he said he wanted to to sublet a house in South Carolina for all the time he's going to spend there. Which led immediately to Floridians saying, "Hey, we have a ton of problems here. Why are you spending the rest of the year in South Carolina?" And it is just so much Jeb Bush's exact path of of discounting these must-win early primaries and yeah. saying you're going to make your last stand in South Carolina. But frankly, looking at his fundraising, I'm not entirely sure his operation will make it to South Carolina. No.
3: Please clap I mean we he was so well funded he had so i mean he was doing so great, and now it 's just done i mean he 's not raising any money anymore. he just got a third of his campaign staff, and again it 's I think the only person who 's going to be having a better fall than Ron desantis might be uh, Rudy Giuliani. Um, Any predictions about what we're going to see with Rudy now? He's got a couple of cases happening. This same day that we find out he's the unnamed co-conspirator number one in this indictment, uh, the young woman who's suing him for sexual harassment released transcripts of her taped recordings. I don't know if you got to read those, but uh, boy, oh boy.
7: Unfortunately.
3: Rudy has female anatomy parts he likes a lot and likes to talk about a lot.
7: Well, I'll tell you, in this indictment, Rudy Giuliani has finally achieved the number one spot at something. He's at least co-conspirator number one. And if he's not talking actively with Jack Smith, I mean, he's lost his mind because more than anyone in that indictment, Rudy Giuliani is hung out to dry by literally everyone, including the other co-conspirators. So he's a guy going into this with no friends. And he's a prosecutor enough. I hope to still know that the best way here is to take a deal.
3: You think that's going to happen? I mean, I don't see Rudy getting disbarred. I just don't think the Southern District would ever do that to their their hero. Their, their, you know, I mean, he's such an icon of the district. But do you think is this going to be he'll take some kind of deal and just slide away with a little bit of dignity? I, I honestly don't know anymore if he knows how to stay out of trouble.
7: I mean, I like to think that these people have some rationality left. But then they did get together and try to overthrow the United States government oh, there's that, like yeah. on tape. So I wonder how rationally they're thinking right now and how much of this is just panic and the realization that this is actually real. There's not going to be any pardons coming and they're actually going to have to face it.
3: Max Burns, it is such a pleasure having you on our show. What a crazy summer we're having. This is supposed to be when everything gets boring, isn't it? Like August is when everyone goes on vacation in the media world. Once upon a time. Yeah. How do our listeners keep up with all your doings, Mr. Burns?
7: You can follow me on Substack at maxburns.substack.com or on Twitter at TheMaxBurns.
3: So good to have you back, Max. Thank you for joining us. we got to go. Chris and Thea, thank you. Uh, What a great show we had tonight. We'll be back again for some more tomorrow. This is SiriusXM Progress. Peace.